on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, December 4th, LA Galaxy. Uh, basically in hibernation mode at this. I think I'm in hibernation mode as well. Uh, welcome to December, boys and girls, waiting for those real rumors to show up. Me too. Uh, we're going to talk about Billy Sharp and his maybe not getting a Christmas card from Greg Vanny. Uh, we're going to talk about LAFC and Columbus in MLS Cup. Does LAFC be in there? Put more pressure on the LA Galaxy. Same amount of pressure, less pressure. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the U-17s and U-15s have a big tournament, and we hear there's a mass exodus from Los Angeles out to Phoenix in order to get there. Uh, so we're going to talk about that as well, and then maybe some fourth DP talk. We'll continue that conversation. As always, glad to have him back on the podcast. It's Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev! How you doing, buddy? Speaking of December and hibernation, you kind of combine both those. I like those Christmas PJs you got on there. This is the, so. This Very is this is my 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 like winter polo that I get to wear exactly for one month out of the eleven months. But then it sits in my closet. It's it's there. I get to view it every time I don't have clothes to wear. I'm sort of like you know I could I could wear that. I mean, it looks Christmassy, but I could wear that. You you get to wear it what once in the middle of the summer in like July when they do like Christmas in July. You can wear it one day. Just as a sort of joke and a gag. Other than that, it's restricted to December wear. I, I don't know if that's smart or not. Where do you stand on the happy holidays versus Merry Christmas? I am firmly a happy holidays guy. Why, I, why exclude anybody? I very much like to say both just as a personal preference. I, happy holidays. I am, I am very much a holiday season person. That starts with Thanksgiving, by the way. I think Thanksgiving is the start of the holiday season. Um, and so I'm, I'm very much a fan of that. I want to be as inclusive as possible because there are so many wonderful, wonderful holidays that are out there. Quite honestly, might even start with Diwali, right? The, the festival of lights, which I was, which, oh, which I fell into. Big yeah. Here. yeah. That's big here in Valencia. A lot of people celebrating that. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I think that there's room as, as I think you do for, for all of it. I am a Merry Christmas person as well. So I'll say happy holidays and Merry Christmas. So, you know, sort of where I stand and where I'm coming from, but you know, I'd also say I'm not a very religious person, so maybe saying Merry Christmas isn't uh, isn't the way to go for me. Maybe maybe Happy Holidays, although holidays, of course, comes from holy days. Um, so I'm not sure that's any much better, really, whenever you get all down to it. But I think it's more inclusive, and I like I like. Look at you being the etymologist and all. I I you know you just you you learn things. You learn things after a little while, Kevin. You've I've been made a fool of so many times on this podcast and anywhere else. I, I try to remember them. How how are you doing, by the way? I feel like I haven't talked to you in you know at least a couple weeks. Well, we've been traveling a lot. Seattle for the playoffs, went to NWSL championship game in San Diego. I, I, I am convinced that it's not that uh, the power, the powers that be at the LA Times all of a sudden like soccer. I'm convinced that what happened was they had a ton of money budgeted for the Dodgers and the Dodgers went out really early. And that gave them about two and a half months to spend that or not be able to put it on next year's budget. Yeah. So it became like, <laughs> let's go do some soccer stuff. Why not, right? That's uh, that's pretty Did you catch, by the way, uh, somebody reminded me, and it's something that I, I retweeted. I saw. Did you catch Julian Araujo's goal for for Las Palmas? Is is no okay? So he starts the play on the right hand side as sort of the, as that right back player. He goes, he puts, he he cuts inside, passes the ball outside. There's a cross, and the cross gets cleared out. But he doesn't go all the way back. He stays right, and so then another cross comes in. Bad marking, very bad marking. Julian Araujo with the header into the uh, across and over the goalkeeper into the into the uh, bottom right hand side of everything. So. Uh, Julian Araujo doing Julian Araujo things and looking very, 
very good. I think Barcelona actually wants him back at this point. I think Barcelona fans want him back at this point. I got a Julian Araujo story uh, conveniently enough. From last Thursday, I went to meet Jimmy Lozano, who is the new coach of the Mexican national team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I found out later, um, I I was told by a couple of people that he is, he's very conversant in English, but he had told me coming into the thing, or his, his people told me, we're going to do the interview in Spanish. He doesn't want to do English. He doesn't speak English. So you going to do it in Spanish. Okay, fine. So we did a 30 minute interview in Spanish. And then on the way out, I turned to the communications person with the Mexican national team and said, by the way, when you guys come here later in December for the friendly with Colombia, I'd really like to talk to, and this is in English now, right. I'd really like to talk to Julian Araujo. No one's spoken to him since he left. Be a great story. And then Jimmy Lozano, who's behind us, turns around and says he won't be here that's not an international date so he won't be called up and it's like wait a minute wait a minute i, I thought, just... <laughs> thought you don't speak your language right what is right 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 no you're i you know uh hats off to you by the way for being bilingual i can pick up some some i'm very poor at spanish but i can usually follow some basic gists but like whenever we get into the details or anything like that i'm i'm usually completely lost but um yeah just the whole julian araujo really seems to be coming into his own it's fun to watch um, you know, I, I don't know, I, as, as people who talked to him in the parking lot, do you remember that? We talked with his parents yeah. in the parking lot before like his really his LA Galaxy debut. We talked to him in the parking lot before his LA Galaxy debut outside of Dignity Hills Sports Park to watch him playing over in, in Spain and, and for Las Palmas and as a Barcelona player and all these things is you almost feel a little ownership in that. Like I, I remember talking to this kid when we were like, man, he doesn't, he doesn't really speak to the media that well. He's so green. He doesn't really know how to interact with us. And now you, you know, as we, he progressed, you're like, he's become a professional, like right in front of your yeah, eyes. We, we called him up a couple of times and got him on the pod, just call him at home. And, and I remember after his, his uh, MLS debut for the guys, he came in, I think Ziggy put him in and he played just a couple minutes at the end of the game. And he ran over and gave his mom his Jersey. Yep. which was really cool. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a fun story. So anyway, keep an eye on him doing that. Of course, we have MLS cup coming up this weekend. Uh, that's LAFC in Columbus. And if you watched, uh, I will say if you watched the LAFC Houston game, I, I think that was more of a dominant performance and, and pretty much I felt uh, LAFC very much in control of that game. Um, I will say that uh, the, the more exciting of those games was on the other side with Cincinnati and the, the team that we have adopted because they had a whole bunch of former LA galaxy coaches on it. Uh, unfortunately, on the bad side of a beat there, 2 nothing, end up losing 3-2. That's a crazy game. Columbus over Cincinnati, the Supporter Shield winners. Cincinnati looked like they had it locked up in the first half, Kevin, and they go out 3-2 in that. And, and Wilford Nancy is just, he's a miracle worker. And he's one of those coaches where whenever I saw that, you know, I think Montreal picked him up. I'm like, who's that guy, right? And then Montreal can't keep him because he's so good and everybody likes him. And Columbus picks him up and you're like, oh, well, I mean, he's going to Columbus to replace Caleb Porter. We'll see how good he's, how good he is now, you know, a little bit better of a roster. And then you see what he's been done in this. It's it's a really fun story to follow. Well, well there's more fun to that because in that game, the, I think Columbus's second goal was an own goal. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that if Matt Miazga was in there, he doesn't make that, you know, there isn't a known goal, but they were missing their bet. The defender of the year, missing their best center back. And they give up an own goal. The two other goals by Columbus, it was three to two an extra right. time. The two other goals, both scored by former LAFC players to get them to the final against LAFC. The first one, Diego Rossi, who joined the team in August. But the second one was Christian Ramirez and yep. Christian Ramirez, a great story. He only played, I think 20 some games for LAFC. He's from garden Grove. Grew up in the area, has traveled all, you know, played in many different places. By the way, he has three houses, uh, one in Houston and two in LA, that he's renting to former MLS players or <laughs> okay. MLS to t- players on his former teams. He right. played for Houston, played for LAFC. But the great story about him is he scored the, the winning goal in extra time to beat Orlando in the, in the conference semifinals. He shouldn't have been at that game. His wife went into labor. Um, they went to the hospital. He wasn't going to make the flight uh, for the game. Um, turned out uh, it was a false alarm. The doctor said, you're safe to go. The wife says, get out of here. He went to Orlando, came off the bench in the 90th minute, scored in the 93rd minute and sent them on to the conference final in the conference final, still wearing the hospital ID bracelet on his wrist, uh, takes the bus to Cincinnati with the team. Now his son is four days old, takes the bus to Cincinnati with the team again, with the hospital bracelet on scores, the winning goal and stop in extra time again has his team in the MLS Cup final. His son, by the way, uh, Cash, will remember none of this because he'll be exactly 12 days old when right. he play MLS Cup. Right. But 
that's still pretty cool. It, it's it's a it's a fun story. I would say uh, as a parent, whenever you realize that you know, I don't. Do you remember your earliest sort of memory, Kevin? Like I think mine was maybe when I was like three and a half, four years old. That feels like the earliest I can really sort of you know, physically remember, it really sucks as a parent to be like, you know, I've spent these first four years and, and my, uh, my youngest just had his birthday party over the weekend and, and turned, uh, turned four. So he spent this first four years and really he's not gonna remember any of that crap. So like, well, did my, I waste, did I waste time? I feel like I yeah, wasted my time. Early, the early, my earliest memories were from last week, I think, <laughs> but I've talked to a lot of athletes, uh, who uh, about that very subject, because I'm very interested in like you are. Uh, and some players have told me, look, I'm hanging on, I'm going to play another year or two, because I want my child to remember seeing their dad out on the field. And, yeah. and, and now with MLS, with w, uh, NWSL players, the same thing. You know, Alex Morgan talks a lot about how Charlie is going to remember traveling the world with her and seeing things. And I did a story on Candace Parker, the WNBA player, who talked about her daughter growing up around the world. The first time she tried potatoes was in Spain. Right. First time she did Snow Angel was in Russia. All these things that um, just an incredible upbringing, but the ability to remember you know, my parent wasn't always a nerd. At one time, he or she was pretty cool. Right, <laughs> that's a. It's, it's one of those where I've only go, scored cool points with my twelve-year-old like once. So I, I feel like I'm I'm not I'm not hitting a whole bunch there. But uh, very interesting just to sort of do it. I was told that the reason that we do finally remember things at an age is because our language skills develop, and the language center is really where we store a lot of those memories. But I also know that like smells trigger things and a whole bunch of stuff. So I don't know how true that is. I'm yeah. sure there's people who will say. Wow, look at all this knowledge you got. If I stumbled, is this NPR? What's going on here? Welcome to NPR. Um, No, I don't want to get sued. Uh, So let's talk about it. I did an hour last week, Kevin, uh, more or less on the fourth DP and the rumors. And we were talking Chucky Lozano. um, Murata was there. I forget which other rumors, you know, we were all, oh, wait, hold on. They're right here. Um, We can can look at all of them. Um, But, uh, you know, looking at, uh, oh, Alexander uh, Lacazette, right? The whole deal. And you and I both have similar uh, issues. You know, I feel like we're, we're playing duck hunt right now. The duck goes up and we, we squeeze the trigger and the screen flashes and we drop another rumor. Um, you and I are sort of the, 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 the duck hunters in this one where we've been knocking we down are. rumors. They've been flying up above bushes. We've been knocking them back down. Uh, and then so far, the dog hasn't laughed at us, but I'm waiting for that to happen as well. Um, so when we're seeing all these rumors and everything goes, so I did some time on the rumors. I did some times on the fourth designated player. Now you wanted to talk fourth DP and I think you are maybe a little more optimistic on me, at least in terms of what you think is going to happen, right? You think that there's a good chance that MLS could add a fourth designated player. And I think based on the salary cap talk that we had last last week, which was, and just to recap, each designated player costs 12.5% of the of the salary cap. So if you have four of them, that's 50% of your salary cap, which is $5.2 million. 50% of that $5.2 million goes to four players, and you still have 16 other players that have to fill out that 20-man roster. So it's a significant portion of the salary cap. So until that gets fixed, I feel like it's, an, it's a non-starter. Let's throw that aside for a second because you want to talk about you think that there is momentum behind the fourth DP, and maybe they'll fix some of these things. And, and, and no, possibly, yeah, right? I, I, and that's why I don't want to throw that aside. And I wouldn't say there's a good chance. I would say there's a chance. Um, the Board of Governors, I believe, is going to meet later this week. But Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS, will give his state of the game address on Friday in Columbus ahead of the MLS Cup. And I know he's going to be asked about that. And my understanding is, oh, and by the way, the reason I don't want to throw that whole salary thing away is because the fourth DP, if it comes, will have to come with more TAM money to sort of hopefully make that salary structure not so uh, heavily weighted toward uh, toward designated players. My understanding is that there's some momentum building for these DPs, um, and then with that, the the added uh, TAM money. And, and my understanding is that there is a huge split in the ownership group. There is a group of uh, rather young, new to the league, aggressive owners like Miami, you know, uh, uh, the Moss family in, in Miami, and some other play. I think Austin might be in there. Some some play maybe San Diego, you know, new coming into the league. Some places that want to spend money and are aggressive and are ambitious and want to go out and do this. And then the other side is the more traditional owners, uh, the owners that have been around a while that um, either don't want to spend the money, just flat out don't want to spend the money, or that like the way MLS has been run, that they like the salary structure or the structure of keeping salaries down, I should say, and and they don't want to monkey with that. So I think that's where it is. The problem is, um, well, not the problem, but Everybody knows MLS got a ton of money from Apple. And I think the, 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 the players and some of the ownership groups and the union 
are all saying, hey, look, you got a ton of money. You got to start spending some of this money. Let's throw a little bit of that art, you know, make it rain over here. And so they're looking at ways to do that. Then the addition of the League's Cup, the Campione's Cup, and some of these other tournaments. Uh, you know, LAFC is playing its 53rd game in the MLS Cup final. That's ridiculous. 53 games. I think they had 42 weeks to play those games. So um, they need to build out the middle of the roster. That's the problem. And I think when you compare right. MLS teams, Liga MX, that's where the problem is. The top players, the DPs versus the top players in Mexico are fairly even. But it's as as many coaches have told me, a core of an MLS team is maybe six to eight players. And that's the core. And if you have to play those six to eight players, 53 games, uh, in you know 40 some weeks right. that doesn't work out you need to go to the bench and bring in a player that is equally as good so you need to expand that that core a little bit and the way to do that isn't so much designated players it's tam money that's why i think if they get the fourth dp the tam money has to come with it but one thing i wanted to talk about really is is so i went back and looked and said okay is dps is that the beat all end all and i looked at the top 10 best paid players in mls last year the top one, two, three, four, five, six. None of the top six made the playoffs. Right. Hector Herrera at uh, with Houston. He's the seventh best paid player in MLS. He's the only one of the top ten that made the playoffs. So designated players didn't help their other teams make the playoffs. Then when you look at payrolls, you know Inter Miami is the top payroll. Toronto FC is second. Galaxy is third. Then LAFC, the the only one in the top four in in payroll right. that made the playoffs. Um, only three of the top 10 in payroll made the playoffs. It's LAFC, Atlanta, and the Seattle Sound. Excuse me, four. LAFC, Atlanta United, I believe, made the playoffs, right? Yes. Seattle and yes. Houston. Um, there are seven teams in the bottom 10 that made the playoffs. Right. We have FC Cincinnati, Real Salt Lake, Vancouver, Philadelphia, Red Bulls, St. Louis, and Orlando has the lowest payroll in the league. They made it to the Eastern Conference semifinals. So it's not spending. And, and um, it, it goes back. I'll never forget one thing Dan Beckerman had told me one time. Uh, this was during the 10-month 10, the 10 um, Kurt Anoffel reign, if you remember that, when when they were jettisoning players and salary, uh, you know, like nobody's business and trying to go cheaper. And Dan Beckerman tried to defend his, his uh, sort of uh, budget, uh, uh, budget-conscious ways then by, by telling me, look, he said, if I have $25 and I want a cup of coffee and the cup of coffee costs $25, I'm not going to buy that. And I said, why not? And he goes, I have the money and I want the coffee, but it's not worth that. And that kind of applies here. You know, you have the player, you know, you have the money to spend on the player and you want the player. Doesn't mean that that just by spending that money on the player and spending a lot of money on a player, it's going to make that player or that team any better. And I think we've seen that. The teams that spend wisest, again, the Cincinnati's and the Orlando's, those are the teams that go far in the playoffs. The teams that just throw money at problems like Inter-Miami. Well, Inter-Miami did kind of get good, but Toronto and Chicago with, with really you know heavy budget uh, DPs, they didn't go far. But I, I do think MLS does need to address the salary structure in some way or another. They do need to spend more money, whether it's more allocation money, whether it's loosening the salary cap, whether it's more DPs. If they're going to continue to play things like League's Cup, they need to find a way to make that work. Yeah. It, again, I, I think my likelihood right now is I feel like the U22s are going to get uncoupled from any DP restrictions. So you're basically going to get a chance to have up to three U22s, regardless of what age your DPs are or with any without any connection to the designated players. Every team allowed three U22 up to three U22 players, because I think that goes to filling into the, some of that center. Right, Kevin? You know, it's, it's being able to buy younger players unlimited acquisition costs, a salary above a certain uh, or below a certain mark, right? So it's sort of that is sort of force feeding that center of the roster. You know, I think Tam is like going away and it's being replaced by Jam. So it's being taken away here and putting over here. It's a stupid MLS accounting, you know, thing. So I think, you know, throwing more general allocation money into stuff is fine. You know, somebody said one of the suggestions for a fourth DP is to basically, you know, increase the salary cap by $651,000. That way, if you have a fourth DP, uh, that you're able to just basically have the same roster. The problem is that if you increase the salary cap by $650,000 um, and teams don't want to have a fourth DP, you could be looking at teams who will then fill out the middle. Maybe it's a good strategy wise, right? You can have four DPs or maybe you can get two players paying them $350,000 each roughly, um, you know, and you could sort of fill in that middle again. So there's a lot of different ways I think you can cut it and cook it, but MLS has to get real about what designated players mean 
which is star power. Certainly people like Leo Messi, right? So you have that star power. You have that ability to draw and get eyes on Major League Soccer. And more people are probably watching MLS now maybe than ever before with Messi here, right? So you're getting sort of that feed into things. So now it's about taking that, getting the star power, but also making sure that the stars aren't left on an island by themselves, right? Uh, you know, it was a very good supporting cast when the Galaxy were good. Um, and they had guys like Robbie Keane and David Beckham and Landon Donovan, three designated players that all complemented each other. But go back and look at those supporting staffs. And we've gone over those players so many times with the Mike McGee's, uh, you know, at some Alan point, Gordon. Alan Gordon's, you know, the Sean Franklin's, the Omar Gonzalez, the AJ Delgar's, the Juninho, Marcelo Sarvis. Um, you know, you have so many of these really good players. I mean, even the Ishizakis or the Wilhelmsons, uh, as Josh is famously me, I just referred to myself in third person as I am famously known for Wilhelmson, huge fan of what he's done. So you do have to have the supporting cast, but those guys weren't playing nearly the amount of games that everybody's being asked to play now. Do those LA Galaxy teams in 11 and 12 hold up, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 hold up to, you know, getting beat down over 50 plus games um, in a year. So uh, a well, lot, I would, a lot I of would, questions. I would go back. I mean, I think you make a good point, and it, it it speaks to my point too. Of you have that core, but when you go to the bench, do you bring somebody on that is equal to that core? It can change the game. The galaxy, it, when the galaxy were really good, they had that. Alan Gordon was a game changer. You know, they had guys when they went to the bench, went in and and could change the game. The two teams in the MLS Cup final, Christian Ramirez pushed to the bench. We just talked about him pushed to the bench when Diego Rossi came. Right. Come on and won two playoff games off the bench. Uh, LAFC with Bogues and some of the guys they have, Aaron Long coming off the bench. It's funny. The teams that are successful don't spend a lot of money necessarily, yeah. but they have guys that can come, come off, off the bench, bench and, and, and make different. It's funny. We, you know, we're going to talk about Billy Sharp and there will be a transition and then maybe that transition is now because maybe we've sort of played this out. But I, you're, I, you talk to people and they said, if MLS was a real soccer league and, you know, they use it as a dig at MLS whenever they're looking at it. If MLS was a real soccer league, right, real football league, they wouldn't be letting players like Billy Sharp go. You're telling me. So our argument here is that in a salary capped league with a 20 man senior roster and like all the requirements that are sort of there, you don't keep Billy Sharp as your third striker because having a third striker, whenever you usually are only going to play a one striker system, you're going to get a new DP. You're going to have Dayon Jovalich right behind him. And then you're going to put Billy Sharp as the third in there or even the second or the third. But you're going to pay either Jovalich or Sharp to basically sit on the bench if it's a real soccer league you were able to pay those guys to sit on the bench and you're like, we're going to need you. Not yet. It's coming. You're not going to play as much as you want, but it's coming. And by the way, you might go out and get a four striker if it was a real soccer league, right? If there weren't so many restrictions, MLS in a lot of way punishes teams for success because as teams are successful, players expect more money as they expect more money. They price themselves out of the salary cap. All of these things that we've seen so many times. Again, I get told it all the time. You talk about players. It's like Tyler Boyd shouldn't even be a question. Right. You get Tyler Boyd. If this was a real soccer league, the L.A. Galaxy would go out and sign Tyler Boyd for the amount of money it takes to, to retain Tyler Boyd. And does that mean that you don't go out and maybe get a DP winger and maybe Fagundes and Boyd and a DP winger and maybe another DP winger? Maybe you have two DP wingers and you have Fagundes and Boyd who come off the bench to be your bench players. That to me is what a solid thick middle looks like for Major League Soccer is having guys like a Fagundes, like a Tyler Boyd. And by the way, I'm a big fan of Tyler Boyd, but in MLS, he has to be a starter, right? If, if, if MLS had a little more expansion, if they loosen the belt a little on them, you know, like after Thanksgiving, Kevin, you eat all that turkey, you loosen the belt a little, you stretch it out, right? And you get, you're able to cram a couple more of those uh, rolls down or some more stuffing. You get a couple more. If MLS just releases that belt a little bit, they're able to build bigger, stronger rosters in, in some of that way. And plus... Let's be fair. The LA Galaxy have sucked at trying to manage like the the backup and getting the depth correct for this team, right? Because I don't necessarily blame somebody when you go five deep into a position like they did at center back this year. I mean, you could say the Galaxy were, had more than enough center backs to play this year. They just injured like three of them, right? Or, you know, all the defenders get injured, all this stuff. There comes a point when you can't absorb all the injuries, and maybe that's uh, the the amount of games that you play and all those types of things. But you would again with if a little if it's a little bit more robust, if MLS allows expansion of rosters, expansion of the cap space, maybe an expansion of designated player. Again, I think they have to change some things to make that happen. But if you do that, do you get the you know the thicker middle that you're looking for? Well, I got a better transition to Billy Sharp because I want to play off that and. I'm wondering sometimes if, and this will work with the Billy Sharp transition as well, I wonder if sometimes if the Galaxy's messaging to its own players 
uh, is a problem because, you know, we know with Jovalich, you know, he plays off the bench. He wants to play. Has anyone told him that his role is to play off the bench? Has that been made clear to him? Does he actually think he's competing for a starting spot? And I say that again. I'm going to go back to Christian Ramirez. It's like the Christian Ramirez pod today. Um, <laughs> Wilfred Nancy told him at the beginning of the season, he said he sat down with all his players and he said, look, here's a starting lineup. All of you guys are going to play. Some of you are going to start at the beginning. Some of you are going to start at the end. And that means the starters at the beginning are going to the bench. And that's just the way it is. And he, Nancy said, look, I, it's unfair. It's unfair to those guys who played really good at the beginning. But this is my system, and this is the way it's going to work. And so when Diego Rossi came in, Christian Ramirez, third on the team in goals, goes to the bench. Did right. he sold? No. He knew what his role was, and he came off the bench and won two playoff games. And so Christian Ramirez is not at all happy with this situation, but he understood it because he was told in March that this was going to happen. And I'm wondering if the Galaxy have the messaging problem. Do they tell their players, this is the way you're going to be used? I think Jovalich, I mean, certainly, I mean, we went through what the first half of this season, whenever Chicharito was healthy, um, talking about how Jovalich wasn't the starter, that he was going to come off the bench and he knew it. And remember, Jovalich uh, for the season before, it's like, I want to be a starter. I want to be there. But I know this is my role to play off the bench, to play behind Chicharito. So you knew he knew that. And now we get to Billy Sharp, because the controversy with Billy Sharp is right now is that he went on a podcast uh, with Sam Allardyce is on the podcast, by the way. Uh, it's an interesting podcast to watch because Sam Allardyce just wants to tell stories and like Billy Sharp ends there ends up sitting there as the guest with this like thumbs, uh, you know, twiddling a bunch. But it was very insightful. Um, and the reason it's so insightful is that uh, Billy Sharp basically says that he was told and it, I, does he use the word promise? I don't think he does, but it sort of implied that he was sort of like I was told I was going to be brought in for 12 months. Right. So if you're talking about Billy Sharp, that would be through the summer. So it was more likely that he was going to be brought in uh, through the through the the rest of the season and then have another year as an option, which is what the contract ended up being. So it was six months plus the 12 months um, on that. So he says, I was brought in and Greg Vanny went on on and on for an hour and basically told me, hey, listen, you're not going to play as much as you're used to. You're going to be coming off the bench. I want to bring in a designated player striker, a DP striker. Um, and this is according to Billy Sharp, right? He goes, I want to bring in a B DP striker, uh, but I want you here. And I, I, you know, I'm, I want you here for the next 12 months, you know, that type of thing. And Billy said that he agreed to do it because, you know, move, he said, I will move my family out. I will get them out here in the States because I'm going to be here for the next year. And so I'm going to do it. And so what happens is the season ends. The LA Galaxy don't exercise Billy Sharp's option, which is the option that was laid out in the contract. Right. Um, and Billy Sharp says that Greg Vanny never called him up, that basically his agent got a call that the option wasn't being extended. And Billy Sharp now has brought his kids and relocated his family out here. And he's saying that that he never got a phone call from Greg Vanny telling him why things had changed. Right. And I don't think we can impugn Billy Sharp's character on this just because I think that everything that we've seen, certainly Kevin from our talks with Billy Sharp and from things is that he was above board. He was honest and he seems to be honest and truthful in this podcast as well. You know, it's video. You can watch him sit there. He's trying his hardest not to bury Greg Vanny. He really is. He's being truthful with what the situation, how the situation was and how it played out. But you catch him and he catches himself in the podcast saying, I can't talk about that for like, he goes, he goes, I was going to say something, but I can't talk about that. Right. And so there's these little things that you see throughout it that lead me to believe that Billy Sharp is telling the truth because it would be, it's one thing if you want to try to get lost in the details, Kevin, right? I can be like, oh, well, uh, this ball that I'm holding, Kevin, you can, as you can see, it's red uh, and it's got green stripes. And you're like, well, actually, it's green and it has red stripes. And you're like, well, no, you know, we could argue about that. It's one thing to say, I have a ball. I don't have a ball. Right. And we're sort of in the I have a ball, don't have a ball camp. But he's saying he never got a phone call from Greg Vanny. And do you think that that's a problem, not only for Billy Sharp, not only for the players on the LA Galaxy, but down the road or anywhere else? Is this a messaging problem as, as you were sort of talking about. Well, this is not the first time it's happened, by the way, when Ashley Cole came, he was signed under uh, the Bruce Arena's leadership. Uh, when he came in with Nigel de Jong and Nigel de Jong was given a contract or at least it expressed to him that if he, if he met certain uh, performance metrics, that he would become a DP. And remember the galaxy, not Bruce, the galaxy organization, Dan Beckerman and AEG sent uh, Nigel de Jong off to Turkey before he could meet, meet those uh, metrics and become a dp ashley cole had what appeared to be a handshake agreement with bruce i don't know if it was ever written down but basically bruce told him look we're not gonna make you a dp but he came in at three hundred thousand, and bruce said if you if you 
meet these metrics, we will we will reward you. And I think his salary was going to go up to seven hundred thousand or maybe more. Bruce left. Ashley came back for a second season and actually told me this. And Ashley came back for a second season. Right. And they said, here's your three hundred thousand again. They said, well, well, wait a minute. There's I I have a deal. And they said, yeah, that was with the guy that left. Right. So, again, that isn't exactly the same. But my point is, this is not the first time the Galaxy has done that. And they did it to two big European stars. I'm sure word got around Uh, this episode. This doesn't really jibe with the Greg Vanny that that I know, but I've never played for Greg Vanny and I've never signed a contract with Greg Vanny. So I don't know. I do know that uh, I reached out to speak to Greg Vanny today. This is for a story for MLS Cup on another matter and nothing to do with Billy Sharp. And I was told that Greg was traveling to the MLS next tournament in Arizona and would be unavailable. Arizona's not that far. I've been to Arizona. I can get there in a couple hours, even driving. Uh, and they have cell phone reception. So most of the, the time. only thing, yeah. And they're not playing soccer right now. My guess is so my, I, I think the galaxy said, we're not going to put Greg on the phone because you might have to, you might ask him that question. Um, I, I'd never thought about it, but yeah, that'd probably be a good question to ask, but I wasn't going there anyway. The point is, there must be something going on because all of a sudden Greg Vanny is radio silent. It's just, I mean, listen, I don't think he was, you know, jumping to be on this pot. We had, we had tried to get him on the podcast at the end of the year. That didn't happen. Um, and quite honestly, we're now in what I call the hibernation mode, right? Where basically these guys aren't, aren't seeing the light of day. They're in their offices, they're working, uh, they're traveling, they're doing the different things that you sort of expect them to do. Right. Kevin, um, during this off season. And so now you're sort of seeing, you know, that there's, it's very quiet right now. Um, again, I I think I'm with you a little bit on this. I just find it hard to sit there and say that Billy Sharp saying this stuff would, would have said it if, unless it's true. And if that's the case, then I worry about it because I think that you are putting yourself in a position. Billy Sharp is a very well-respected soccer player around soccer circles, right? You're going to find people that speak very highly of Billy Sharp almost everywhere I go. Look at Maya Yoshida and what he said, you know, how he treated Billy Sharp. And they were former teammates for a very short time, right? But they they were teammates. They knew each other, but there was an utmost respect between those guys. So, uh, you know, Billy Sharp is saying this and other people are listening. So if one of Billy's friends calls up and says, hey, the LA Galaxy are offering me a contract, what do you think? You know, does Billy not tell him what happened with Greg Vanny? Maybe he says, hey, make sure you get this in writing. Make sure you do this. Um, I, I find it I found it funny uh, on the podcast because Sam Allardyce was in there and he's saying, that, well, there's no loyalty in football. And he goes, whether that's for managers or, or players, he goes, managers deal with the same thing. He goes, you know, well, big, I've gone. He said I went into meetings. He goes, I think it was at a was it at Blackpool or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he's, he said I went into meetings and they're saying, yeah, we're going to keep you around for another year. And then two days later, he got fired. And he's like, what happened? He goes, you know, we just talked about things, the whole deal. But I think Sam Allardyce made a uh, made a, made a distinction there as well. He said, whenever I was manager, I always tried to tell my players the truth unless I thought they didn't really want to hear the truth. And I think in this particular case, what we're saying is Greg Vanny didn't necessarily, and we can talk about whether Greg lied and said, I want you here for 12 months in order to get them. It's not where they could try to save the season and do all those fun things. Maybe there was a tremendous amount of pressure. Maybe Greg Vanny lied and said, I need you for 12 months. You're going to be here knowing very well that they were only going to keep them for this part of the season, depending sort of, I guess on what happened. Right. Um, because I think well, the, you know, yeah, go ahead. The, well, I think the one thing one thing we've heard all along is all these players that came from Europe, the big stars that came to play with the Galaxy, you know, the Robbie Keens and David Beckham's. We heard ad nauseum how oh these guys are great ambassadors. They go back and tell all their friends to come and play, and and that apparently led to some players coming over here. Yep. Whether or not that's true, I think Terry Henry is one that probably uh, you know was told by by David Beckham to come over. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But, but that was always what we were told. And now we, you, we have an unhappy Ashley Cole, unhappy Nigel DeYoung, unhappy Billy Sharp. The, the one thing that makes the difference, though, is if you're a player and Billy Sharp says, don't go to the Galaxy, but the Galaxy also all of a sudden offer you a million dollars more than anyone else offers you, guess what? You're going to the Galaxy, yeah. even no matter what Billy Sharp said. Money talks. And, <laughs> yeah, the, money talks, and, and it, but, but to a certain extent, right. there is the... The organization. I mean, no, I think there are some organizations right now that to me from afar look like train wrecks in MLS. Chicago's one. Right. New England had a great season and then everything imploded. Right. Um, you know, with the Bruce Arena thing. So that looks bad. Uh, Toronto has lost its way. Montreal. It, I'm not sure what's going on there. There, there are some Colorado. organizations. Colorado. 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 Complete mess. So there are some organizations where you go to a big star and say, we're going to we're going to give you a million dollars more than anybody else. Come over here. I don't know if I want to play at altitude all summer in the heat. 
for a team that's going to win four games. So maybe they they rethink that. But you know what? The Galaxy is still the Galaxy. It's still the premier franchise, even though it's on t- tough times. It's not a train wreck. They do pay good money. You're in L.A. Right. I think Billy Sharp's words are going to carry some weight with some friends. Right. But if the money's there and the offer's there and, and, and it's not a train wreck situation – Man, I, th- I still think the Galaxy is probably a place that's going to be able to attract some good players. You, you said it doesn't jive with sort of your version maybe of, of Greg Vanny or who you know to be Greg Vanny, and I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I sit here and I say, it feels like it's out of character for him. And so if there, that's the reason, then, you know, why? Right. I, I think Eric, uh, the Portuguese hammer VR, which by the way, I need to do a Thursday show. So that way he can come back on and talk about things every once in a while. Uh, still no Thursday show this weekend, but or this week, by the way. Um, but he, he was sort of saying, Hey, so if, if Vanny wanted them and he couldn't keep them, then who's pulling the strings on a guy who's supposed to be impressed. I don't think we're at that point. I don't think we need to play conspiracy theories where they're like, you can't keep Billy Sharp. I don't think that happened. That doesn't well, feel like this organization. That feels like an organization maybe three years ago or two years no, ago, right? No, I actually, I, I was I was starting to think that even before you went there. I'm not so sure. I wouldn't dismiss. I wouldn't dismiss that. Out who's of who's making that decision though? That Dan we, Beckerman. Oh, okay. Dan, do you think Dan Beckerman cares about Billy Sharp? No, but I think he cares about money. Okay. And I think he's going to say, what's, "What would it take to bring Billy Sharp back? What's what's our agreement with him?" You know, I think Dan Beckerman is the one that didn't pay Ashley Cole. We know that he's the one that told Nigel Young to go to Turkey before he met his performance metrics. Um, we know that management or, or the coaching staffs did not want Steven Gerrard or, or Gio Dos Santos. They were told by someone on high who's above Bruce, Dan Beckerman. And we also know that Vanny did not want uh, or was not high on Douglas Costa. He wanted Pavone, first of all, and, and took Costa. And so I, I, I wonder maybe if it's a point where – you know, Greg Vanny's a little tired of the meddling. If if, if that happened, yeah. or someone above him said, "You can't, you can't pay Billy Sharp that money," and and Vanny is either too embarrassed to go back to Billy and say, "Will you come for half of that?" or just doesn't want to have to go. You know how right. if I know you're the boss at your place, but right? A lot of times I'm told to do things that I disagree with, and I have to go explain it to the interview subject or to the team I'm supposed to write about, and I'm embarrassed. I I, I can't defend something that I disagree with. And I, I'm going to give Greg the benefit of the doubt and, and just wonder and speculate. Maybe he was told that this wasn't going to happen. He disagreed with it, and he wasn't going to go to Billy Sharp and, and say, hey, buddy, this is what happened because he disagrees with it. I'm not saying that's what happened. That, I'm not saying I that, know what happened, but I'm wondering if that's a possibility. That's the the, the Greg Vanny, like, wet dream scenario there, which is like, oh, you know, it's totally beyond my control and I can't have it. I, I, I would, I if I'm choosing, and, like, I, I agree with you, I don't think that that's likely. I don't think this happened. By the way, Logan says, does Dan Beckerman even know who Billy Sharp is? <laughs> I mean, I, I in up to a certain point, I don't know. And the fifth I, beetle. I, the fifth beetle. That's the guy. Um, he played for the monkeys. Hey, hey, with the monkeys. Um, but Billy Sharp and and this situation is just it's strange. It seems out of character for a team that has tried to pride itself on doing right by players and sending players home whenever they wanted to. You look at uh, Grant Sur in there. Um, you look at Sega Koulibaly as well. I think there was probably a disagreement on how things were going to go there, and they have all decided that, hey, you know, you want to go back here? Yeah, yeah, Yellow Van Dam. You know, yes, you can talk about some of these where they wanted to go home and they wanted to do it. I mean, um, you know, uh, that you could even go back into the Bruce time. Bruce was very big on that as well, which was, hey, I'm going to do this what's right for the player, right? We're, we're going to try to do what's right by the player, which is even whenever uh, Nigel de Jong wasn't going to work out. Remember, Bruce came out afterwards and was sort of like, you know, the league wasn't ready for Nigel de Jong. Remember that that speech that he gave us? Um, and so I, I see these things where the Galaxy organization tried to do that. Now, we know players specifically who had huge beefs with the front office and wanted out of there and got their wish, um, but it was more under duress. Um, and so it was more like, you need to get rid of me. If you're not going to play me, then get rid of me. We, we know those ones as well. So again, Sam Allardyce was very clear. This happens in football all the time. And I think that we should all expect that this happens in football and football is a business. Soccer is a business. All these guys are business people and in business things go wrong all the time. It's not a great look. Uh, it's another, it's sort of one of those things that it feels like a, uh, an unforced error by the LA galaxy. If indeed that was, and one of the things you and I both would love to do is have Greg Vanny on the podcast and he can answer the question. I'm, I'm happy to hear what he has to say. We've heard from Billy Sharp. That's great. 
Did you ever talk to Billy Sharp, Greg? And it's like, why, why not keep, what was, what did you promise Billy Sharp? We could ask him those questions. I'd ask him that right now. He wants to call me on the cell phone. We could talk about it right here on the podcast, right? He's in Arizona. It's no cell connection. That's, I've, I've heard that. Um, so anyway, those are the things that I look at. I do think this has bigger ramifications than just, you know, yeah, you're right. Money does talk. Eventually it's probably okay. They galaxy probably don't get hurt by this in the long term. It doesn't feel right. Um, and so that's sort of where it thinks maybe I'm too high on my high horse. Maybe in my, maybe I just like everybody to be upfront with each other where we know for a fact that people aren't upfront with each other all the time, that people don't love each other all the time. This is not a kumbaya great thing. I think the galaxy had a really good locker room this year, um, in terms of them getting along and liking each other and being around each other. Cause I didn't hear a lot of rumblings of, I hate this guy or I hate that guy. So that means it probably wasn't on, you know, Zlatan levels where we heard about the bullying constantly and all the other stuff that we were hearing. It's not on that. So it just feels out of character for what the galaxy have been trying to set up. So that's why it feels wrong. And so now I want to hear from all sides, but quite honestly, Billy Sharp has laid out his side and the galaxy have, a, have had a chance if they wanted to, to, to correct anything. And we really haven't heard much. So maybe they're just waiting for it to blow over. I'm sure they're happy that we're doing this podcast tonight. Yeah. By the way, the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Vanny was for, a uh, you know, he was a, a national team teammate of Steve Trundolo, coach of LAFC who's going to MLS cup final. I just thought it would be a great way to get the galaxy name into an, a playoff story because no. they're not in a lot of playoffs. They're, lately. They, they are in a lot of playoff stories. It's they missed the playoffs again. That's yeah. what it is. Well, I mean, go to that though. Let's talk. Let's, let's shift over. And I know we talked about it a little bit, but LAFC. Segway. Good segue. I'm a professional. You are on your game tonight. I am a professional. Um, no, I mean, there is, there's obviously buzz. And I think LA Galaxy fans would like to pretend there isn't buzz. I think the Galaxy fans are like, this, the playoffs ended a couple weeks ago and nobody's paying attention. I think they would love to have that. But right now, LAFC, quite honestly, the favorites to be back-to-back -back MLS Cup champions. Because I like Columbus. I would have put Cincinnati over Columbus. And I would have put LAFC between Cincinnati and 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 uh, and Columbus. So I would have sort of had it that way. If Cincinnati's out, I'm going to say that, you know, even though Columbus ha is hosting, I think LAFC has a very good chance to repeat. Uh, the last team to repeat, of course, was 2011-2012 LA Galaxy, um, which was how many years ago, Kevin? 11 years ago. Oh. And, and it, it, the thing when you talk about those teams, I know where you're going with this. And I think when you look at the elite teams and and over the course of the 28 years of MLS, clearly the Galaxy is the franchise, the right. model franchise. They haven't been that for a decade now. Correct. And yeah. they have been replaced. And when you look at the model franchises, I think there's about – I don't know, maybe not even a half dozen that are head and shoulders above everybody that do everything right. That sign the best players that have the best ownership group that, that uh, are ambitious, that do things right, that get lucky. Luck's a big part of it. Oh, luck's a huge part. And, and, and that are classy teams that you can look at them and you say, they're going to do things the right way. And again, not to hammer the Billy Sharp thing, but this thing looks like it wasn't handled the right way. There are teams that don't have those kind of things happen. Seattle, LAFC definitely. Right. I think Cincinnati now with right. the new the new general manager. Culture and the new that's a, that's a culture change though because it had been yeah. the the back to back to back you know wooden spoon winners there. They had been terrible. So I think those three maybe you put Atlanta in there. They had some problems early, but I think they've kind of figured things out. Maybe you put them in there. But certainly I, I would say LAFC and Cincinnati probably for, in my mind head and shoulders above everybody else. Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia, Seattle. You got it. Philadelphia, yeah. Seattle. I understand what you're saying. Yep. Yeah, and no one else can challenge those. And, and I know one of the things we talked about before the pod is whether LAFC and their success, whether that is something Galaxy fans should care about, whether it hurts them. And what I said to you then is that I think it hurts them in one way. I don't think anyone is comparing LAFC to the Galaxy right now because, come on, there's really not a comparison. And But the Galaxy are not forgotten. Well, why? And I'm going to save you from LAFC fans who like to lurk on here for a second. Why is there not a comparison between LAFC and LA Galaxy? Well, because I think LAFC right now is doing everything the right way, and the Galaxy are still kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, again, not uh, again. I don't want to. This right. Billy Sharp thing is played that we, we and, played it out. And I would but, say that if you're looking at the macro side of things, that there's not a comparison yet because you're talking about two championships, right? In the in and and you know five championships, right? That over yeah. the course. And by the way, different eras completely. And you can make that yeah. argument. I'm I'm a fan of making that argument because if you go back and even watch the 2011 MLS Cup final, watch how slow everybody plays. Right now, we'll go and watch you know last week's you know playoff games. Watch how quick everything is. 
every well, every time you get 10 years away, things are faster. They're, it's different. It's totally different uh, place than how it is. LAFC has had a lot of success recently, and they're looking at back-to-back, and that is something that not a lot of teams can say they did. Well, and here's where I think LAFC is kind of, if you want, the new Galaxy. They had their Carlos, that Carlos Vela, who looks like he's probably going to play his last game this Saturday. He's kind of the Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane guy. He's the team leader. He's the striker. He's the guy that got the big name. But then they feel, they, they bring in a guy like Boanga, mm-hmm. who, who some people knew who he was. He wasn't supposed to be this good. He's right. dynamite. The Galaxy used to get those guys. They got Bogues now. They trade for they trade Marco Farfan for Ryan Holland's head. Look what he's turned out to be. Um, you know, they get Kellen Acosta, who uh, right. they signed him. Uh, they just they snuck him out of Colorado under under the cover of darkness, and no, no one knows. They, they get these guys that Max Cropo comes in and and becomes an outstanding goalkeeper. They get they they do their due diligence, then they get lucky and they spend smartly. And so I think they're the new galaxy. And that's why I'm saying there's that right now there's no comparison. Right. I get that. There's a comparison to the old galaxy and the and the new LAFC, but it's not right. a comparison to the teams now. Right now, right but across the where we're, Yeah, where I was going with this is I think the galaxy and maybe galaxy supporters that are out there listening, maybe they'll tell us, would just as, as soon have no one think about them right now. Just watch the MLS Cup final. Let's not talk about it. But every time right. they bring up LAFC, trying to become the first team to win back-to-back titles since the Galaxy were good 11 years ago. Yep. Um, and having that, having re- to be reminded of that, that you once did it, but your kids weren't born yet when that happened. Um, that's hard. Yep. No, it, and, and I think that is, that's sort of the thing. It's, Listen, I don't like the whole, oh, well, you can't keep looking to the past. The Galaxy were a very good team over the span of about five, six years. Uh, you know, really one of the first major dynasties in Major League Soccer, whenever you look at what happened, uh, basically from 2009 all the way through, you know, 2015, 2016, right? Well, and even before, you know, at the very beginning, the first yeah. five or six years. Right. And, and But I mean, looking at the span of where you're really good, where you're always, I mean, you know, Seattle... Seattle misses out because they haven't had the championships, but the consistency that Seattle shows from year to year to year and being in the biggest games is, is an amazing thing. And so when you look at dynasties and sort of how they put things together, you know, Seattle's in that discussion right now. LFC is putting themselves in the discussion. But that's why it's so hard for galaxy fans in my mind, because they were so good and, and they can be good again. It's like the Yankees. When the Yankees have a losing season, it's not like, oh, that's too bad. It's like, this is no, nothing like murderers row. I mean, no one talks about the glory days of the Chicago Fire or the glory days of, of uh, I don't know, Real Salt Lake. They won MLS titles, but they, they weren't the Galaxy. No one looks at how far they've fallen. They just say, you know, like, oh, we'll do better next season. With the Galaxy, there's that constant reminder of how great the team was and how and much so they've fallen and how much I think and, anytime right. there's a great, there's how much they've fallen. And we've documented that since, you know, basically 2017, right? We've been watching these games. We've seen that the whole problem that I have is with the Yankee comparison is that you always feel like the Yankees are going to get it right. And I, I guess what I wanted to talk about was not only just LAFC, not only just Columbus being in there as well, like you're, you're talking about this game, but the fact is that does this put any more pressure on it? And, and some some ways I want to tell you that LAFC winning, not winning doesn't really matter. The pressure on the LA Galaxy is measured against what the Galaxy used to be. And it's kind of hard to put more pressure on that. There's another part of me that says, though, LAFC walk away with that second MLS Cup in two years and there's more pressure on the LA Galaxy. And does that mean, you know, that Greg Vanny has a shorter leash whenever he comes back in the whole deal? Do they have to nail it perfectly this year? Does everything have to go? Are they MLS Cup competitors this year or bust? What happens? And is any of that as a result of what LAFC? And is that reactionary if you even say that? I wish we had Will Kuntz on because I and I'm trying. I really want to get him on the show. Um, but and and we'll leave it at that. I really want to get him on the show to come on because here's the guy. What did LAFC do better than what you're doing now at the LA Galaxy? What needs to change the LA Galaxy? Does them winning put more pressure on you? You're in the same city. Is do you do you put up a wall, Kevin? You know, and the Galaxy tried to do this right whenever LAFC joined. They're like, oh, we're putting up a wall. We don't we don't even know they're there. Oh, look, they're not over there behind there. There's there's nobody behind that curtain. That's what the Galaxy were like. We have five MLS Cup champions. We're not worried about them. It's like, oh well, you know, maybe you should be. Maybe you should be worried about everybody in the league being you don't seem to be able to beat anybody. That type of thing. Do you put up a wall or do you react to the fact that you are not only in a fight? 
for Major League Soccer, but you're in a fight for a city. You're in a fight for mines. Somebody in the Discord said something that was, I thought, very pertinent, which was more eyes are on MLS than ever before. And people aren't watching the LA Galaxy right now. You're not building LA Galaxy fans because they're not good. This team has not been good. So you need to get eyes on the LA Galaxy when you have this huge upswing in viewership to create LA Galaxy fans across the world. We talk about it all the time. You go somewhere in South Africa, you're going to find somebody with a LA Galaxy shirt on, right? You go to, you know, Orlando and you go to Walt Disney World, you're going to see somebody with an LA Galaxy shirt. You walk over to London, you're going to see somebody with an LA Galaxy shirt. It's a worldwide brand, but you're going to lose that if you're not playing on world cut worldwide stages, when you're not playing with worldwide players, and if you're not having, quote unquote, the worldwide success, being top of the league in Major League Soccer, and at least being in the conversation when they're talking about these teams around the country. Well, you mentioned bringing Will Kuntz on. I think that's why the Galaxy brought Will Kuntz on. I mean, Will Kuntz is a we we were big on Will Kuntz, both of us. It's kind of like as we are with Bruce Arena. Will Kuntz, it's got it figured out. He knows what's going on. He's extremely smart. He's experienced. He's been around. He's a winner everywhere he's been. You can't really speak high, too highly of Will Kuntz. The Galaxy brought him in for all those things, for all those skills, and they, you know, knowing that he can have an impact. Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't for one second think that part of that uh, reason to bring him in was because he has the institutional knowledge of being at LAFC and seeing how they did it. And I think th any team in the league would want to copy that. It doesn't matter that you're in the same city. Right. Orlando right. might want to hire a Will Koontz just to say, hey, how did LAFC pull this off? How did they do it? What what kind of conversations were they having, and what what were the conversations like? Um, I, I think that's a big reason why they built, brought Will Kuntz in. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're trying to copy LAFC, but they certainly want to know how they make the, you know, how they make the pudding. Copy them. I, I mean, if you're in any sport, you go to the guys who do it the best and you pull as many people as you can from those guys. Right. And you're like, what did you know? Like you just said, what did you know? How did you know it? How do we do it? What's what is the thing? And that is that competitiveness. I think that people in the chat room rightly calling out AEG. Does AEG want the LA Galaxy to be successful anymore? Because with Tim Liewicki and in control of things, he wanted Kevin. He bled for the LA Galaxy. He wanted the LA Galaxy to be more successful than anything he had ever done. It was, and that's how he was with every project that he's ever been attached to. Well, he's won everywhere. And with the Seattle Kraken, he's winning. He won in Toronto. I'll tell you a story that there is a person I won't name them, but they worked for the Galaxy for years and years and years. In fact, they they were there in 2009 when the Galaxy lost the MLS Cup in, in Seattle on penalty kicks. And this person told me they have not been back to Seattle since because that so pained him. He now works for LAFC. Right. Uh, and he's been at LAFC for a while. And we had this conversation, this very conversation that you have and that the people in the chat room are having. And he said Tim Iwicki was a winner. He took every loss so personal. He would do anything to make sure that his teams won, all of his teams. He was a winner. And this person told me, I don't get the same feeling from Dan Beckerman. I think Dan Beckerman is looking at the bottom line. He's making sure all the figures add up. He wants them all to be black and not red. Right. And and whether they you know win, lose, or draw, as long as the, the money's rolling in, that's okay. I don't know that that's a fact. I don't know Dan Beckerman that well. But I do know that Tim Laiwicki was super ambitious. And I've talked to him a lot in other places right. he's gone. And I agree with I agree with the assessment of him. I can't really say about Dan. Becker. Well, I'll, I'll just say you, you may you may not know Dan very well, but it sounds like you're angling for a phone call here very soon. That's what that's what I'm guessing. At least maybe he'll stop by and say hi. You know, maybe he'll send you a Christmas card. Never know. Uh, a glass of water. A glass. <laughs> that's a really good joke. One of these days we're going to have to tell that whole story. It's just it's just too good. It'll be it'll be a good one when the, when we can tell that story, Kevin. It, it explains a lot. Either. Either you're going to be dead or somebody has lost something in order for that story to get told. But trust me, it's a good story. See, this is why we need to have a live show. And then we take everybody's phones and we put them in like a bag. And then we tell tell stories, uh, you know, uh, a lot of fun. So that, that story does explain a lot of the other things I've said on this pod since then. Ugh, man, have you, by the way, I'm going to ask you a stupid question. Have you watched The Bear? I was talking about this last have, Did you Did you watch the TV show The Bear? No. Okay. Then you're not going to. I was we were talking about on the Discord. There's a couple things I want to cover, and we'll just throw these into this last little bit. I was watch I, I was watching it, and then I went on the Discord, and I said, "Man, what a great show! It's a great show, Kevin, about cooking, like uh, about a restaurant in Chicago." It's why is it called the Bear? Exactly. You should watch it and find out. Um, yeah. It's 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 a nickname for a person, basically. That's why it's it's called the Bear. Um, but they they do all this stuff. But there was an episode there that is like so hard to watch. Right. And it's not a bad episode. It's an excellent episode, but it's so intense 
and it just keeps hitting you over and over and over again. But once you watch that, and once you make it through it, if you force yourself to not turn it off, and because it's pretty intense, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. You get through it. It makes everything else so much clearer. And that story that that we could tell would make everything else so much clearer. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, let's get to this. Uh, uh, executive producer Herb is in here with a $32.10 super chat. So thank you, uh, Herb. We appreciate you. He says, hey, Josh. Hey, Kevin. Happy December 4th. Did the Galaxy ever get back to you on the live show benefit event? I, I put it on the LA Galaxy to find us like a live show where we would do it for like the Galaxy Foundation or something like that where we'd sell tickets and like have a, have a, have a thing and have some guests on and do a whole thing. I, because I don't want to plan anything because I'm exhausted. Uh, I just decided to throw it at the Galaxy. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, we will see where we do it. And then also, where did we land on Kevin questioning my reporter credentials from some time ago? Well, yeah, Kevin, where I don't even remember what that argument was. People must think that like after we get off the show yelling at each other, that like, we call each other up and yell at each other some more. Um, I don't even know. I, I can't even remember what it was. I want to know why Herb's amounts. I, I love his creative amounts, but it just feels like he's paying us in pounds and then he does the that you know the the, the trans where he switches it back and he yeah. makes and he makes yeah. money on it somehow. Yeah, that yeah, one was well, yeah thirty to ten is like fifty pounds or something. That, that's like that one is three two one zero. Ooh, oh. it's hitting. man, you are you are smoking tonight. You you're I don't know your biorhythms are way up. I'm I'm where the thing. You know Marvin says something. Uh, here I'll I'll put it to you. He says, "Come on, Baxter, you see the difference starting the press box. LAFC is a more professional organization. It shows from the time you set your foot in the stadium. Galaxy choices not to see things as as they are." You know, the galaxy basically choosing to see things. Do you would you say that you think that I I've I've worked with the L.A. Galaxy for fifth. This is my 16th season coming up. Uh, I can tell you that I've seen it be professional and non-professional and everything in between. Uh, but I will tell you that when they were successful, that one, it was professional. And I will tell you that right now I find it a very professional organization in terms of how we deal with things. There's never going to be total agreement between me and the LA Galaxy. There's never going to be total agreement between Kevin and I. There's never going to be total agreement between Kevin and the LA Galaxy. That's not how these things work. So you're going to have your your problems. I don't see a huge difference on that sort of professionalism. Maybe you do. You have a, you have a better better take on that. No, it, well, the problem is that we spend about 95% of our time not around players or even executives, but around the, the PR staff, and that makes a difference. One thing that the Galaxy is really good at when you go to training, you want to talk to a player for the most part, it happens within a 15, 20-minute window, and you get to go home. That's not true at LAFC. Generally, media days take two hours, and you drive home with 15 minutes worth of interviews, um, and post-game is, is similar. So that, that's one – is that professional or unprofessional? No. I mean, it, that's just the way it is. But I will say that around LAFC, there is a lot more talk of everybody from the players – to the security guards, to the, the team president, Larry Friedman, when I talked to him, about the supporters. They care about the supporters. They care about the ambience. Peter Guber, one of the owners, made that apparent from the very start, and he talked right. about creating an atmosphere. He said when people go home, they may not remember the score, but they're going to remember what they saw and how they felt when they were there. And so there is – that's probably what he's talking about a little bit. When you walk into the stadium, um, I, I think there is a little more attention to, to the supporters. And perhaps the Galaxy feel like we've been around for 28 years – we are a global brand. We just have to roll the ball out. People will show up. Where LAFC started in a market against the most dynamic team in MLS history and said, we got to be on our marks from the start. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It's, it's point though. It, it was fun. It was funny that whenever Orlando got messy and we were sort of, I was sort of like, you know, I think somebody said, "I doesn't look like Orlando's Orlando. ready." Yeah, or, Ma sorry, Miami. Miami. Sorry, they, that's basically the there's same. No, those that sounds. They're both in Florida, and if we wanted to sell Florida back to whoever we took it from, we should give it back immediately. Anyway, uh, Miami. Uh, whenever he goes to Miami, it's like it, it seems like Miami is not ready for, um, you know, for uh, for Messi, right? It seems like they is not ready. I'm like, you can't be ready. Like the Galaxy weren't ready when David Beckham came in. You realize that? Like there, there was there was no they, they didn't know how to do it, but they had to build that up, right? And I think that made the Galaxy in the end a more professional organization just because they had to deal with such a high profile stars over that time, right? And so I think that as you get some of these bigger stars that the league develops in professionalism overall. And, and, you know, we always like to say, if you want to be treated as those four major sports that are in the United States, then, then act like them. And sometimes, sometimes we find teams in MLS do that. And sometimes we find teams in MLS don't do that. So well, the, the move up to charters during COVID and they've kept it after that's made a big difference. That's really professionalized the league, but it's funny you said that and the way you said it, because Alexi Lawless told me the same thing. He was general manager when they signed Beckham and he was like, you know what? 
we were not ready for that. We thought we were, no. but you yeah. go out to the curb and say, hey, David Beckham, wait for the team bus. We're busing to San Jose. And right. it's like, what? Yeah. You know, we're not yeah. busing to San Jose. Yeah. And, and he said, we were just not, you know, we security guards. We didn't know how to do that. Right. We didn't know how to handle uh, waiting for a commercial flight. And David Beckham sitting there, uh, you know, and standing in line at Southwest. And you know, he was A22 and he got to go on first. Um, they were not prepared for that. And you're right. That made They immediately had to change things. And so then with Terry Henry and, and Robbie Keane and Gio Dos Santos and Bastian Schweinsteiger came in, it was like, yeah, okay, I get it. This We're getting better. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Zlatan comes in on he flies on a private jet all the way here. You know, that was like, that's one of those defining moments in, in Major League Soccer. It's like, oh, you're going to make that guy fly coach. And he did. Uh, and, you know, mostly first, cla- first class, but, you know, yeah, yeah still. DPs, DPs, I find out, uh, I found I get to fly first class. But someone in the galaxy told me that the funniest thing they saw in their whole time was Zlatan here was when they, they like to fly Southwest back in those days because of the baggage fees. There right. was no baggage fees, so they could take all their equipment. Uh, and they said the funniest thing ever was they got him one of the A numbers. They paid for that. But it's a lot of standing in line to get on a Southwest flight was the funniest thing they ever saw. I saw him uh, in Chicago and, and it was United flight and stuff. And they kind of kept him in a little private room near the boarding gate and then just rushed him out when boarding started. But Southwest doesn't do that. No. And he had to, he had to line up and get in there and pick out a seat. And they said it was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. Oh, it's a lot. It's a good time. All right. There's a lot of time. Yeah, it, it's it does. It does seem like that's a fun. I wish there was one photograph of Zlatan waiting in the A line at, at Southwest to, to fly up to San Jose. Right. That was the other thing. Right? There was probably like a trip to San Jose. They probably wouldn't take it for very far. But, um, you know, getting up to San Jose or doing something like that is uh, is something, uh, you know, we talked about Vanny going off to the MLS Next Fest just to give you a heads up uh, December 5th through 10th. Uh, there will be more than 600 games played for the uh, MLS Next Fest, which is happening in uh, in Arizona. Uh, and that's for the U15s and U17 Academy teams, right? So uh, that's a, that's being played at Reach 11 Sports Complex in Phoenix, Arizona, like I said, with nearly 600 matches. Uh, and no Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, no Wi-Fi. No phone, no, yeah, no phone or Just Wi-Fi. out in the middle of the desert somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it, it's really, uh, really going to be an interesting time to sort of see that. Um, there's also, you know, the LA Galaxy and all teams in Major League Soccer get to scout underclassmen as well in college. And so um, you're looking at like talent identifying at U17 and U15, U17 levels. You're going to have college scouts there. So there's also the ability to interact with college college guys and college coaches there and talk to college coaches about the guys who are on their team right now who could possibly be coming up and who you can be keeping an eye on because the MLS Superdraft isn't that far away. And if you are going to pick some underclassmen, freshmen, sophomores, juniors seniors are all eligible now when you do that you know the bottom line is mls sort of sprung that on everybody and said oh hey by the way you have like six eight weeks to go ahead and scout all the underclassmen because we're gonna let you pick them too um you probably would have had people watching watching guys throughout the uh throughout the entire season for underclassmen for guys you might want to be picking up as well not that i'm saying mls super draft is anything big or major uh what's the next what's the next deadline coming up pretty soon there's gonna be expansion draft and you have to offer free agents contracts. What's what's coming up next? I don't remember. It's part of the off-season calendar, but it's MLS Cup, and then things actually start to take off. And we we're talking, there's a Board of Governors meeting like the middle of the month. It's going to be the teams in MLS Cup and the roster deadlines and all the, the, the bona fide offers being put out and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's what's coming up. Your re-entry draft, MLS Super Draft. Uh, re-entry draft stage two, uh, waiver draft. Uh, there's all the all the fun ones that are sort of mixed in there, and I didn't grab my off-season calendar, but that's all the stuff that's coming. Uh, it's and it'll be coming rapidly here. So we're we're almost there. I said, you know, sort of the galaxy and hibernation mode. This is the time when everybody sort of buries their head um, into the cave and they're going over rosters, and we know, you know, scouting ghost teams and doing all sorts of stuff like that. Um, we know people are out looking at players and watching different things. I think Jovan Karofsky was uh, spotted at a U17 game down in Orange County. Uh, I saw that. So uh, keep an eye on some of the academy guys as well. A lot of stuff is going on, but you're not going to hear the fruits of that, I think, until I'm guessing just a little bit before Christmas. I think that's when everything's going to start heating up on rumor mills and everything else that is going on. And then certainly after Christmas, high gear uh, game on and everything else that goes on. It's actually a sprint to the end of the year because the MLS Cup is the ninth and most of that stuff, in my recollection, is wrapped up by the end of the year yeah. because contracts expire at the end of the year. Yeah, December 31st. Yeah, so 
I think there's gonna it's gonna be fast and furious from here to uh, to the end of the year. Yeah, it should be uh, should be an interesting one. All right, uh, anything else? We good? I think we're good. That was a good show. We we talked you, about. You a should lot. keep no. You should keep going, man. You are hot today. You are no smoke. No, quit while you're ahead, right? Quit while you're ahead. Uh, under under promise, over deliver, always, always. So I under promise the heck. I, I basically the first fifteen seasons have been an under promise, right? And now I'm gonna stretch really for the sixteenth over deliver. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking. Well, now about. you're all ready to for Michaela to tuck you in. You got your jammies on there. Ready These, to go? This is this is. I wore this to work today, sir. Uh, I had a chance to wear jammies because uh, at at my youngest class today it was wear jammies uh, to class today. So they got to. I dude, being a four year old has to be the coolest job in the world and i'd like to go back to that the, the he had his birthday party not birthday party on friday at school so we got to have fun with all his friends at school birthday party on saturday at my like parents house with family so he got presents on that birthday party sunday at the train club with all of his school friends that came for that too dude is living on a high and he's not that far away from christmas I, he's got he's got the life right now i think i think well, just you know what you, my motto has always been you can only be young once but you can be immature all your life so you can be sort of like a four-year-old. I, I, I'm like a four-year-old most of the time. Yeah, I, we, I, your wife would agree. Um, all right, I think that will uh, do it. Let's uh, let's wrap it up until next Monday. Are you good with that? You fine? Yeah, okay. why not? Let's good. Do it. good, just want to check. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com for all of Kevin's soccer coverage, whether that's NWSL, MLS, or anything else, including the national teams, both men's and women's. Uh, that's where you can find it, latimes.com for Mr. Kevin Baxter. Uh, they also make them write other stories, too, which is always humorous and fun, and you get to poke fun at them. So make sure you check it out, latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, at Galaxy Podcast on threads, cornerthegalaxy.com website back up. We'll see how uh, functional it is for a little while as we continue to do some remodeling. So check that out, cornerthegalaxy.com. All right. That'll do it. LA Galaxy. New rumors soon? Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing things are around the corner. I know guys are out flying. Guys are looking at players. We know we know they're out there checking things out. So it's only a matter of time before one of those falls through the crack. And we are able to talk about it here on the show. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato. Guess when you've been listening, you've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. And we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.